Hello, friends. Before we get into this episode, I just want to let you know two things. The first is that last week on the Escape from Reality feed, we released an episode about Star Trek The Next Generation, so you should definitely check that out. And secondly, just a reminder that we are doing a fund drive for Detroit Animal Care in memory of my dog Jezebel. Um, There are t-shirts in our shop of a Lisa Frank-style three-headed dog, where each of the heads of the dog is one of my three dogs. And that design is also our February sticker for our sticker club. And a portion of uh, the profits for both the shirts and the sticker club will be donated to Friends of Detroit Animal Care. Um, So if you've been on the fence about joining our sticker club, this is a really good time to do it. It's a really good way to support us on a monthly basis if you're not interested in our Patreon or just really like super cute, fun, gay, good stickers. Um, Yeah, so all of the information for both of those things is in the show notes. And now let's get into part two of our discussion of Wednesday the series, uh, season one. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about (laughs) Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about whatever the fuck we want. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke, as short and near, Jesse Blount. <laughs> Maybe we should have introduced ourselves from whatever uh, group, Nevermore group, we would <laughs> want to be in. Oh. I don't know. Uh, I feel like it is cliche, but I feel like I gotta go for the Bloods. Um, Yoko seems real cool. I wanna hang out with her. <laughs> <laughs> She's an amateur mixologist. She sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wears cool sunglasses all, at all times of the day. Oh, are those the vampires? Those That's the literally vampires. a question in my notes. Is like, do these kids have like, do they like freeze you with their eyes or like have x-ray vision or something? Like, why are they wearing sunglasses? It's because they're vampires. They're vampires. That's so funny. I mean, they're daywalkers, which I guess is... They're, I think daywalkers can be a different kind of vampire, but they're vampires. Yes. So. That's so great. Look, I can cross that off my very long uh, <laughs> remaining things for us to talk about. This anyway, <laughs> never mind. We can just go on with the intro <laughs> before we start. Uh, it is, it's, your, it's your go. Today we're talking about... Today we are continuing our conversation about the first season of the Netflix series Wednesday which was tailor made for queer goths everywhere and god bless whoever decided that except not Tim Burton because fuck that dude (laughs) yep um cool yeah so we are if you haven't listened to part one yet that came out two weeks ago you should 
maybe maybe go do that if you want to but um you can start here if you want who cares not me uh we're gonna start off with welcome to the style and fashion section where we talk about aesthetics this is actually one of the first notes that i took for like the entire thing is just that this show is going to be responsible for a wave of bangs and (laughs) (laughs) i feel like from what i can tell whenever white people cross my feet on tiktok i feel like bangs are already kind of coming back as a thing especially as like the 90s is coming back but yeah this is definitely gonna cement that Yep. It's not, it's almost, I just feel like in like one year, the internet is going to be full of people like cursing Wednesday's name as they attempt to grow out their fucking bangs. You know, just don't, (sighs) don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Wednesday's bangs look great. So, you know, they do. They do look good. Um, but that is what having a like fancy team of stylists will have for you. <laughs> um, yeah. My first thing is also about Wednesday herself, which is I cannot wait for uh, their website Ravelry, which is a uh, people go to have like crocheting and knitting patterns. There's if not already, because it is mid January when we're recording this uh, have Someone has created the patterns for all of Wednesday's sweaters, and I'm excited to find those because all of Wednesday's knitwear is great. It's incredible. And that like sort of like weird striped sweater that Pugsley always wears is also really great because none of the stripes are the same width. I don't know. I'm just excited to be like finding those patterns on the internet. Um, And happy for, I think, another thing for people to knit. Because uh, I know that all of the sweaters from the Harry Potter movies were very popular whenever the movies came out. And I'm happy for all of our, the nerd knitters to have something else cool to knit. 100%. Uh, oh, so my next note is that Wednesday is allergic to color. Very funny. Great joke. But apparently, literally enough that she requires like school accommodations and this is one of those like really beautiful parts of the like wednesday as autistic things about the show is that no one is like get over it they're like wednesday's allergic to color we got her a special uniform made that's all gray and black and i i i just like really 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 love that it's really great it's so perfect to piggyback off of that i actually I don't hate the Nevermore uniforms. <laughs> oh, no, they're great. <laughs> um, and, of course, like, Wednesdays is look great because it's just all in black. But even just the regular ones are pretty cool. So Yeah. They're a beautiful blurple color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> it did make me think, though, because I was like... You know, we're getting Wednesday, man. Maybe the world is finally ripe for a, like, carry-on television series. And I'm like, oh, the uniforms are so cheesy. (laughs) 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 Watford. They are not this cool looking. No. Uh, 
But you can change some stuff, you know? Yeah. It's okay to make some adjustments. <laughs> like not make your characters wear boaters. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I know that was what you were going to say? <sighs> I guess they're not wearing boaters by the time we get to them, though, and carry on because it's only the first years. But there are like a pack of 11 year olds wearing boaters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <sighs> um, the Medusa fireplace in Weems's office. Gorgeous. It's it's so perfect. Really, her whole office is fucking perfect. Yes. Yeah, listeners, this fireplace is like, I don't know, as tall as a room, probably. Yeah, because it's like as tall as her. So it's like six or seven feet tall, because I think her character, she's wearing heels. So she's at least like six foot six. Anyway. <laughs> As she should be. <laughs> yes. And it's just like a huge, like, sculpted Medusa head where the fireplace part is her mouth and the snakes, like, go all the way down to the floor. And it's gorgeous. It's very Tim Burton-y, but not in a, like, distracting way, you know? Yeah, and it just it just feels very fitting in her office where the rest of it is just like it looks just kind of like vintagey like MCM like vintagey mid-century modern pieces and then to have this like gothic looking stone fireplace that I mean everyone just loves because the camera is you're always seeing it from like you always see it basically yeah. a fireplace in the background <laughs> for the majority of the scenes that take place in Weep's office yeah <laughs> <sighs> um, oh man, we're this is going great because my next point is actually about Weems herself, which okay, part one I already gushed a little bit about how much I love Gwendolyn Christie and just how, what a beautiful giant lady she is, and how <laughs> I appreciate that in a way that unfortunately not a lot of other people have, and I uh want to talk about specifically about her outfits which are just like some of the pieces in her office. They look inspired by sort of mid-century heroine looks. And there's an article in Entertainment Weekly that they talked to her where she was like, uh, yeah, like I was, I told them that I was like really inspired by like Alfred Hitchcock, like women in Alfred Hitchcock movies. And they're like, cool, let's, this is the style that we're going to go with. Um, so she's wearing a lot of like tailored suits that are like made of like kind of like textured wool and like textured patterns. And like she's always wearing like really good like statement jewelry, like brooches and like necklaces. I mean, like a statement necklace, essentially. But like all of it is just very much like, yeah, you could have walked out of a like movie made in nineteen like. 50s <laughs> where yeah, you're like it's very the vibe is very similar to like the the tv show his dark materials um mrs coulter aesthetic yeah it's gorgeous gorgeous yeah. sorry i interrupted you no that's all right weird. and it's just really nice because she's i mean not quite a villain um but also sort of not quite a hero either so i feel like having her dress like right she just walked out of a hitchcock film is like it's just like chef kiss. It's just like perfect for like having this supportive yet morally ambiguous character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it, this is also, oh my God, 
crushed by this. Gwendolyn Christie, like, this is the first one, like, the first role that I've had that I feel, like, super beautiful. And I'm like, I'm crushed by this. I want to, like, literally jet stab in the eye anyone who didn't tell you that you were beautiful up until this point in time. Um... But like a lot of her really famous roles, it's like when she was in Game of Thrones, she's like in armor and like is supposed to be more butch looking, which is like, I mean, hello, she's gorgeous. So it worked. And then like Star Wars, she's just wearing like head to toe armor. Like you don't actually see her in those movies. So it's like, I don't know. I want more for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's gorgeous. Yeah. She, yeah. She's stunning. They really do so much, too, because, like, she's really pale and her hair is, like, somewhere between blonde and white. I don't know. Um, And they, like, dress her. I feel like she's usually wearing gray. So then she just has this, like, bright red lip. And it works so, so much better than I feel like it should to have just, like, everything be, like, one hue. Like, skin, hair, clothes, all be just sort of, like, washed out and then just, like, super bold lipstick. But it works so so well yeah yeah no and i i mean i think it works because like i mean her her face is really beautiful so it really is you're sort of like paying attention to like her face and just like her facial expressions um i also particularly love like she's always wearing like dainty cloth gloves (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is also very much like right movies from like the 40s and 50s and 60s because it's like wow who wears cloth gloves (laughs) in 2023 (laughs) uh so uh yeah anyway yeah she's incredible Mm -hmm. and there'll be a link in the show notes to the article that i just referenced so yes and i have a link in my notes to send it to you so perfect (laughs) um i feel like she's showing up for the like sort of rockabilly sort of punk rockers who are into wednesday is like principal weems is like yes i I'm here for you to like model your like hair and makeup after there's something for everyone, you know? Yeah. You you really love looking for vintage clothing and you're like, I'm going to find an outfit <laughs> like this. You do yep. go to an estate sale of like a rich old lady <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and you will find, I'm sure similar outfits to what Weems is wearing. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> All right. My next note is just their bedroom with like, so many O's. <laughs> you know, longtime listeners will know that my sort of aesthetic identification is Rainbow Goth and like the Wednesday Enid compromise bedroom is the encapsulation of what I mean when I say Rainbow Goth. It's so perfect. I love it. Yeah, no, they're. Their vibe together, obviously, I love. Uh, the the they're like central. The central piece in their bedroom is this like, I don't know, twelve foot circular window that is sort of, I don't know, spider, spider web. webby. Yeah, and then half of it is just like multicolored, and the other half of it is clear because Wednesday's allergic to color. Uh, I've already seen so much shit on Etsy of like that design, of like just that design. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. Someone, someone with a cute Etsy shop, please make best friend necklaces with the window that break in half and each of you gets half of them. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. 
You don't need to pay me anything, but please like credit me so that people find the podcast. <laughs> That's all I want. <sighs> yeah, their room is great. I mean, honestly, Enid's. I feel like Wednesday's aesthetic is what I've always wanted my goth aesthetic to be, but then Enid is what my goth aesthetic is in real in real life. It's just like rainbow and pastels. Yeah. <laughs> I do I do feel like mine is like pretty solidly both. I wear black and rainbow, but like the rainbow is always with black. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like often I'm wearing multiple things that have like rainbow colors on them. But like if you were like, what is Lark wearing today? You'd be like, Lark is wearing black, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, it really I personally would have loved the window to stay entirely colorful because like what an amazing window but uh aside from that it's ugh, so good i know and they're and the snoods that <laughs> Edith makes for that oh, it's so cute uh, i love it mm-hmm. it's your turn we have to talk about thornhill's outfits <laughs> okay yes please <laughs> We haven't talked about Thornhill at all. I I just finished editing that first episode and we like didn't even mention the fact that Christina Ricci is in this. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> it's wild how so many other things are going on and then it's like, also yes, Christina Ricci is in the show. And is like sort of the main villain-ish. Yeah. Yep. Christina Ricci's here. She's a teacher. She's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her outfits are very like Etsy cottagecore. I think is what I decided because it's it's all very like different kinds of prints together that like seem to work. And a lot of like flower motifs in her outfits, and she has she is always wearing these uh, very bright red. Are they rubber boots or just leather boots? I actually don't like know. Galoshes, I think. Yeah, they're like these like red galoshes because she's their botany teacher yeah. their science teacher <laughs> she's their botany teacher her botany yeah. teacher um and yeah she just in the summertime i see a ton of ladies that look like thornhill at the farmer's market who are carrying like woven baskets or like you know undyed cloth shopping bags mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it works even though i'm like I mean, I wouldn't wear it, but I'm like, I really just like all of these <laughs> clashing, or not clashing, all these just like different patterns that you're wearing together. Yeah. She, yeah, she's, I love that she, and Christina Ricci is one of those people like the Halls, where you're like, you could do literally anything and you just still look goth. And I like, don't understand it. And like in this, like she doesn't even have like her dark hair. Her hair is like red and she still looks goth. And so it works that she's this, like, dressed, yeah, as this sort of, like, cottage core like, mismatched sweater, like, you know, hippie gardener lady. But, like, the goth vibes still, like, shine through. And then it's like, yeah, and she only works with carnivorous and, like, deadly plants. And you're like, yep, there it is. Yeah. Understand. Yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense. Yeah. 
Uh, wait, okay, sorry, wait. Are you saying that no matter what they're in, the Gyllenhaals always seem goth or something else? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's fair. They're both just I like... I think it doing... has something to do with being, like, pale with, like, light blue eyes and dark hair. I think just the, like, Victorian waif vibe, I think, is just synonymous with gothness. But that was how I explained it until I saw this, and Christina Ricci still looks goth, and her hair is red. And so now I'm like, maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just, like, a vibe. Maybe it's just... I don't know. I mean, I think... I think part of it is a vibe, but I also, I don't know, maybe part of it is this just like, with Katrina Ricci especially, like she's done so many A, like weird projects and B, so many like goth classics that you're kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. But she's like, she's goth and now and then, and no one's trying to make her goth and now and then. <laughs> That's you know? true. She just is. She's just like a 12 year old tomboy and you're like, and yet somehow you're so goth. <laughs> so. That is true. Yeah, just a cer- just a certain Genesee uh, quoi is that the correct use of that? I don't even know. Probably sounds right. Anyway, uh, Christina Ricci just looking great, and uh, yeah, cottagecore goth here for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my next note is Wednesday's dress that she wears to the Raven. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so beautiful. It's really good. I would have killed for that dress in high school. Yeah, it really is just the perfect goth dress, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It I don't even know like what to say about this dress. I feel like it 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 does such like amazing balance between like fluffy and slinky and like see-through and not, but the thing that really makes it is the fact that like the top of it is like a collared like button-down shirt almost that then like turns into this dress but it's like made out of like sheer black material and it makes it sort of like gender fuckery with the fact that that's like what's going on at the top of it and i think that that's the thing that really like pushes it into iconic territory is that it's this very yeah this is like very genderqueer very goth very beautiful but like sort of like like 80s like like super weird goth like yeah fuck societal norms goth kind of in a way yeah like what molly ringwald's character in pretty in pink should have made for the prom um and the fact that it was at uh the antique store makes me think that it was probably handmade by some goth in the 80s (laughs) i was hoping that the that the owner wore that dress at some point. Maybe. I can just see her making it. Yeah. She definitely knows how to, she definitely sews her own outfit. So I definitely yes. believe that. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about Wednesday's dress, however, is the fact that we are told that we have to envision a scene in which thing steals that dress from the front display window of that store and gets it back to Nevermore without anybody noticing and without ruining the dress. And (laughs) you can't, but I really like trying to think about how that went down. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I think I just was amusing myself with just imagining thing, just like dragging it 
like through the woods and i'm like that is ridiculous that would definitely mess up all everything about that dress yes it is so so fragile there's no way i mean i guess we sort of get a built-in answer in the show where it's like if fang and fester have done crimes together then you know thing thing has some tricks about getting the stolen goods out of a place i would imagine that's true <laughs> that's true all right so because yeah i mean it doesn't make any more sense for like fester to be so good at like disappearing <laughs> as <right>. he is <laughs> so i'm like you know some kind of cool oh no i'm like so happy to suspend my disbelief for it i just really do genuinely enjoy trying to imagine what it would look like for a single hand to to steal and then take a like very large dress miles away without anyone noticing and like think well, it's very fun i think you'd have to steal a bag too is <laughs> okay fair <laughs> large bag it's a, a garment bag <laughs> <laughs> i mean no the thing is so particular actually that like he probably stole the dress off of the mannequin put it in an actual garment bag like you take to the dry cleaner and then like drug drug that up well i mean if they could like put the like i almost said the what is it the coat hanger part of a garment mm-hmm. bag around the stump that might be pretty you know yeah anyway all right we just we just solved this everyone we did (laughs) (laughs) um it's your turn Uh, i just have one more thing okay which is i obviously want to live in thornhill's conservatory office god it's so (laughs) gorgeous i want to just move it uh and okay listeners i'm gonna try to describe this to you if you haven't seen this show but it is basically a like tall narrow conservatory so it's like a circular building but looks sort of like a mushroom where it's like it's sort of you know it goes the glass goes straight out and there's sort of mushrooms on top and like a kind of like a half dome and then inside it's very much like there's plants and then there's like wooden cabinetry and like it's just it's very beautiful and like obviously a perfect office for Thornhill and I'm just like Mm -hmm. I want to live there forever yes (sighs) that's my dream if greenhouses slash spaces made out of a lot of glass weren't so untenably expensive to heat I that would be my house I know (laughs) it's truly wild (laughs) how expensive that would be but yeah I also am just like yeah yeah Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn question mark school. <laughs> I don't know. This is a Jesse section. I don't know what kind of school we're talking about. No, I mean, okay. I, I think we could be like this goddamn school because okay. we only ever see Wednesday in botany class and in fencing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and that's it. There is no <laughs> other schooling that is happening. <laughs> <laughs> there is we see one we see two teachers the fencing instructor and miss thornhill who doubles as like the dorm mom slash ra so she's just in scenes where she's not in class because they're never in class right and it's like not important to the plot i just think it's very funny that it's like we don't even get references to what else they would be learning at this school <laughs> no they're never doing homework yeah and they're only ever in botany because it's irrelevant to the plot because Miss 
Miss Thornhill is inevitably is the villain, and we get that plot point, and then we get some character stuff and the reveal of Xavier's weird ability, which is to make drawings come to life, sort of. So, yeah, and so it's just it just makes me laugh because I see if this is a private school, people bring a lot of fucking money, and like no one is ever in class. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if we'll learn more about what they learned there next semester which i guess is what the next season will be yeah i kind of love that though i jen i don't know i'm like very charmed by the fact that the show is like yeah it's like a school show but like that's not like what we're here for so like who cares i do want to know who like because we saw a teacher we saw one more teacher at the very end bianca siren charms a teacher when they're getting everyone out and I'm like, all right, so we know at least there's, like, one dude teaching here. So, like, maybe he'll be back. I think he's the fencing instructor. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay, then never mind. <laughs> That's why, right, I'm like, you only ever see Thornhill and then that dude, and you see that dude twice. I mean, sword, sword fighting and poisonous plants is, like, a solid education. What more do you need? I mean, for the plot of the show, <laughs> it is actually very relevant. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone's education to have learned sword fighting and poisonous plants. Uh, but, uh, okay. I also have to throw out some of their excellent extracurriculars since we're never in class, but there's archery. Yes. Great. There That's just the other one. That's like, he's the whole archery. Club. He's the whole archery. And then you have beekeeping, which is also just Eugene. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and then you have the choir, which has at least more than one person in it, which, okay, I caught this only because I had paused, I think, to do something. But the choir group, it had the name of the choir group and they were practicing. It's called Pitch Slaps. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess worth the money i guess for to, to send your kids um my my last point though is that i do have to say that i have hard eyes for a secret society even if it is just literally all the popular kids <laughs> and I, but i appreciate a little bit of realism to the nightshades in which one of them is like they were a public group until they lost their charter which is the thing that happens in in real life with frats and, and sororities and they lost their charter because gomez was arrested for murder <laughs> and he was like oh yeah the, and i'm like okay that makes sense like if the head of your society of your whatever your frat it gets arrested for murder <laughs> maybe that's a good reason to to like remove the charter of this group yeah so yeah, I appreciated that. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm sure the, like, secret societies at, like, Harvard and Yale are probably all just, like, right, popular rich kids anyway, so. Yeah. And those are my education points. <laughs> Love it. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. It's, like, a big, big lot, big rant. I've, yes, a really big rant. <laughs> Um, so one of my, and like, I want to be really clear. I really like this show. I have 
a couple like really big complaints and the first one is that the actors playing Morticia and Gomez have like negative chemistry with one another this is actually my second point too yeah I'm like (laughs) talented actors but I'm like how do you guys not have sexual chemistry like none and I'm like this is kind of the point (laughs) it's like the the main thing about them i'm like did you not screen test like i know like often if if you're just like casting people who are already famous you don't screen test but like i just feel like when it's characters that already exist you didn't make them for this show and the main thing about them is that they want to fuck all the time you need to make sure that they can exude wanting to fuck before you cast them. Yeah, exactly. It's tragic. I'm so glad that you feel the same way. No, I haven't. I I was like, I was like really bummed out about that, you know? And like, I was like really excited because I'm like, oh man, they like, you know, they cast a like darker, like fatter actor to play Gomez. Great. Look at this. But then I'm like, but why why don't why the two of you have any sexual chemistry (laughs) like no yeah i also am like feel really weird about their choices with the way that they styled what's his name gomez guzman yes gomez because like okay so a thing that we talked about on the gay pirate podcast is like the thing where with that show we like flipped the trope of you know you have seen this character that's been like really built up and then like they're revealed and there's like this unexpected element right like famous example shrek where like you finally meet farquaad and it's like haha he's super short that's like often what it is he's super short he's bald whatever and it's like that's so boring and here it's like the haha is like oh my god taika ytt is like so fucking sexy like that's much more fun right the trope of like oh this fucking bombshell is married to this like schlub who can't be bothered to take care of himself is as tired as the reveal being that the dude is bald or the dude is short or whatever and so i like don't like that they were like let's make gomez not hot and i don't mean that the actor is not hot i mean that they like his suits don't fit and they gave him like gross fake teeth like those, those, those are not that actor's teeth. I checked, <laughs> like, and I don't know, I don't know why they did that. And then it makes it like so much worse when they don't have chemistry because they're like, and we went out of our way to like make him gross. And then they're saying all the like we want to fuck all the time things, but like no one believes that. Yeah, did that did I. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it is it is very much like 90s like the 90s sitcom trope of that. Or it's yeah. like and yeah. And I think that and I think if the actors had chemistry, I probably I like I wouldn't The fake tea thing is fucked up. I did not know that. That's garbage. Yeah, I have some here. Let me text you pictures. Because it would be so much more it would it would have so much more weight if it was clearly just like, you know, you could feel that they just want to fuck each other constantly, regardless of like what anyone else thought about 
the you know image of the two of them fucking you know and so like right, to, exactly yeah so yeah i think it i think it was a misstep a big misstep for like no reason it feels like yeah yeah and i like i read some stuff and like one of the things was like well this is like you know he has like really bad teeth in the cartoon whatever and i kind of am like so i don't know so what and like he's wearing these beautiful suits that like don't fit him and i'm like but why like the adamses are all about aesthetics that's like their whole deal is aesthetics like his suit should be perfectly tailored for his body regardless of like what that body is there's nothing wrong or unattractive about louise guzman's body i've found like i have spent hours looking on the internet hours is an exaggeration at like pictures of him at like award shows and stuff like that and it's like suits that are cut that stop at the right point on his body like you're like yeah you're a babe what this is fine and then they're like the ones that he's wearing in the show stop at like his knee so he just looks like he's wearing like a cardboard box and it's like but why yeah and i think it for me it like right i don't care about the cartoon accuracy when there's now like five different adams family adaptations where it's like okay you know like okay so right especially when it's like decisions where it's like you're not doing anything fresh or interesting with this character it feels like you're taking it a step back you know like those cartoons are from the fucking 20s or whatever the fuck you know that's like okay it's 2023 we can we can update the source material appropriately (laughs) to have the actor have his actual teeth (laughs) right Yeah, and I just, yeah, I think the other thing about the, like, bombshell schlub pairing is, like, inherently, it's a joke. Like, it it's an, an unkind joke. Like, the point is, like, to be making a point about, like, the looks of these two people yeah. and, like, either, like, the self-esteem of the hot one or, like, like, LOL, imagine, like you know, this dude being able to, like, land a lady that hot or whatever. And I just feel like not doing that is just, like, more interesting than doing it. Yeah. I mean, it is. Really. Yeah. Because there are so many other places you could have taken that that would be more interesting and, like, more fresh feeling, you know? Yeah. And again, most important, they just, like, I should feel as uncomfortable watching them interact as i feel watching spike and drusilla interact like i should feel like i'm supposed to leave the room yeah and at no point did i feel like i needed to leave the room yeah and it's like and i don't even think there's an excuse about this being forever because you you get that in the 90s movies for children like this is a movie for children and that like i fucking between angelica houston and raul julia's is you want to be like do should I leave? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. And I think a lot of the like lack of chemistry actually was happening from Catherine Zeta Jones because I really felt like Luis Guzman was like was he he nailed this role. Like he did such a good job. And I it kind of felt like she was filming it in a little bit to me. Yeah. No, I think that you're I I can feel that. Cause it's like, yeah, it's like 
I know this is Netflix, but like this is like Morticia Adams. You can you can bring your A game. Right, exactly. It's like if you don't want to bring your A game, just don't agree to the to the role. You yeah, know? you don't have to. Yeah, c- c- call up any of the other like does like dozens of like brilliant uh, Latina actresses to like play Morticia. So. Yeah. Cool. Glad we're in agreement about that. Yeah, it's just really a shame. <laughs> yeah, it is. What do you want to talk about next? I want to talk about the central mystery of this show, <laughs> which I honestly found to be one of the weaker parts of this show. And maybe, and I'm going to preface this by saying that a like mystery media isn't like one of my like top five like favorite things. Um, I I love a well crafted mystery especially like in a teen show um but i thought that while i loved watching uh wednesday like put on her like detective hat and like really try to figure out what was going on i just found both the way that the mystery unfolded and then the actually like you know Miss Thornhill is a fucking witch and she's raising her like racist bigoted ancestor to like kill all of the outcasts. I'm like, okay. Like it was cool <laughs> that we have cottage corker Ricci like be like, Oh, I'm the fucking villain. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like that was so fucking cool. <laughs> but then to be like, and then we're going to have this like evil pilgrim wizard come and like battle Wednesday. And I'm like, um, I mean, as much as I love to see people of color murder pilgrims, I'm like, I'm just, <laughs> I like, don't care <laughs> about this. Yeah. I would say that this show is not a, like, good show. It's not like a well-crafted <laughs> show. It is a fun show. Like the, I don't, I would not say anyone should go into Wednesday being like, I'm going to watch good media no this is a show about vibes you're gonna have a fun time it's gonna look great it's beautiful (laughs) there's so many jokes the care like the relationships between characters many are very compelling plot no not it's just an eight episode long single episode of (laughs) scooby-doo You know, when you put it like that, it was really only three steps above the, like, 1999 live-action Scooby-Doo with Sarah Michelle Gellar and the dude from Scream, who's now just in... who just plays Shaggy now for all of the things. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you want to watch a good mystery, like, watch Glass Onion or Knives Out or something. But <laughs> if you want to watch... Uh, Artistic goth solve, you know, make friends and solve a mediocre mystery. Watch the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think I want to be clear. Like, I don't think this is necessarily even like a criticism of the show because I don't really care. And also, like, none of it matters until the last episode. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just what, like, makes there be more episodes. But, like, I don't know. It's... It is kind of like if you got to the end of book four of Harry Potter and it was like, I don't know, you just like won the Triwizard Cup and are like, hmm, I wonder who was trying to kill Harry all along. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, 
I don't know. It's fine, though. The Yeah. Like, just because it's a weak point of the show, like, does it make it any just less? because, like, the main plot is a weak point of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there are a ton of things that, like, I will happily watch where it's like, it doesn't matter about the plot. Like, me and Nicole are watching the Fast and Furious movies, mm-hmm. which is essentially Vin Diesel being like, I'm making a superhero movie about found family and racing cars. The plots don't matter. It doesn't matter. You're there because you want to, like, I don't know, watch The Rock and Vin Diesel, like, hit each other and, like, you know, have a really literally impossible car chase scene. (laughs) And that's great. That's, like, that's what I'm signing up for. So we're just letting y'all know what you're (laughs) signing up for with this. And it's still fun. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it is. I would say the only thing that I found, like, uncompelling enough that I'm like, they just should have cut this is the part where they, like, bring in the pilgrim dude. Because, like, she's already controlling the hide. Like, she's already villaining. We don't also need... Because that just, like, comes out of nowhere. No one knows why he suddenly has wizard powers, especially (laughs) as someone who who died because he hated magic so much like it doesn't make any sense if it had just been thornhill and the 28 year old as like the villains (laughs) it would have been a a more effective weak plot bringing yeah bringing the like super super supernatural element into it was just confusing yeah yeah and like only interesting enough because we see like Bianca and Wednesday team up and then we see that like and then like Eugene show like shows up but like Eugene shows up to like murder Thornhill with wasps right. so like yeah. we could have had that without having right an additional pilgrim wizard right exactly yeah we could have had we could have had all of the things without having the pilgrim wizard yeah. and like if if that had just been it if it had just been Christina Ricci like on her roaring rampage of revenge uh, of bigotry then I I might have even, I might not have even said, I would have still said it was weak, but I still would probably have enjoyed it more than like resurrecting your racist ancestor to like kill a bunch of people. Like you could have just done that yourself. You could have just right, poisoned exactly. the punch at the raven and called it a day. Yeah. So. <laughs> I agree. The only thing that I liked about the whole part where he comes back is the part where like he's just as like shitty and bigoted to her as like he obviously would be where she's like i'm so glad i brought you back whatever and he's like i'm still a misogynistic piece of shit and she's like oh fuck yeah like exactly what the fuck were you thinking you could have (laughs) lit the school on fire without him (laughs) i feel like it's like conservative white women in a nutshell mm-hmm. <laughs> you can align yourself with the patriarchy but the patriarchy still hates you yep <laughs> uh, good talk all right <laughs> so more things that we both hate i think love triangles <sighs> i already hate a love triangle the love triangle on this show is almost painful because both of these like white dudes are so boring and like basically interchangeable that I'm like why but why yeah and like neither of them have 
a reason to like Wednesday. I guess we learn at the end that the 28-year-old was potentially faking it because he was ordered to by Christina Ricci. But, like, the other one, what? He's just like, you were mean to my ex-girlfriend one time. I love you. What? Okay. Yeah, and it's like she just talks to them very directly and they're like this has a special meaning and i'm like no she's just autistic this is how she talks to people like she was giving no (laughs) signals and no hints that she like was into either of you my dudes yeah and is like actively like saying she's like i'm only here for information and what you can do for me like almost verbatim for most of this show which is only (laughs) an episode the part, the part where the the 28-year-old is like, I've been sending all of these hints. I've been trying so hard. And she's like, it's not my fault that I can't understand your bizarre code. And you're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially because his code is just like being friendly and then being like, why can't you tell that I have a crush on you? It's like, because... I thought we were friends. We're just being friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole thing definitely reeks of, like, comp hat for sure. And it's like... Because, like, is the only reason to have this to, like... Because, people like, some executive is like, well, teen girls will love this. And it's like... uh, And, I mean, again, I, I don't like a love triangle. This just isn't... It, like, it isn't even interesting. Like, I... Jesus... Like, at least in Twilight, it's at least a little bit understandable, Um, even though obvious choice. But it's like both of the dudes that Bella wanted to get with were, like, interesting and compelling in their own ways. I mean, Edward is fucking creepy. She should never have gotten with him. But whatever. Um, None of these boys have anything to offer Wednesday. And it just seems like I, I don't even see a reason why they like her besides she's mean to them (laughs) yeah which i mean is the thing that teenage boys are into but yeah i yes this is a this is a hunger games kind of love triangle where like the girl is not interested in anyone and then these two boys are just like fucking foaming at the mouth being obnoxious and like I mean, I don't know. I haven't talked to everyone about this show. Maybe there are people who are or were rooting for Wednesday to get with one of them. I could not even learn their names in my first watch through (laughs) of the show. Like, I literally think I learned their names by maybe the third episode of my second watch through when I was like, had to be taking notes. I was like, all right, I guess I should probably know who I'm talking about. Like they're, they're not memorable. And I think it's frustrating for me because, and like, maybe just because the, the like actresses are much more interesting and compelling, but I'm like, Wednesday has better chemistry with like Enid and Bianca than she does with any of these dudes. But even like, but like even Bianca, I'm like, you have better chemistry with Wednesday than you do with this like white dude you're trying to get with. Like, why do you, like, why do you want to get with Xavier anyway? Like, like, fuck him. He can be, he can do his art in his shed. Like, that's fine. You know? Yeah. I mean, I am very, very firmly team asexual Wednesday. And like, it, it feels like they were gearing to write her that way. Kind of like the way that she makes her decisions about like going on dates and like kissing people is very like 
calculated to like an end that has nothing to do with romance yeah you know and she just doesn't seem interested in it i personally will be like very disappointed if they decide to like hook her up with anyone even if it is enid or bianca in a future season because yeah she like really doesn't she really doesn't have chemistry with anyone because it's just like not who she is or what she's trying to do yeah which i think is refreshing on its own to like have a character like wednesday where she like has her like own agenda and her own you know she has her own goals and she's like not interested in relationships but it's not born out of trauma she's just like i am the prize you know yeah and i think it's it's really interesting because it does seem like they wanted us to care about this love triangle but also they gave us this incredible gift of the like emotional climax of the show being about friendship which we never get but like the moment where wednesday chooses to hug hug enid like tears i loved it that's so beautiful that's so nice i love it so much no it's so great so like what if we could just have that you know what if we could just have a show that's like about friends and not compulsory heterosexuality or even romantic relationships of any like i'm i love enid and ajax they can keep dating but like i don't want to like know a lot about it that can be like a you know Mm. just a fact that we know on the side that doesn't get like screen time you know yeah i think what i want to see is just wednesday and enid and bianca happy and what that will entail and i don't think compat is the thing that's gonna make them happy so nope i agree yeah so yeah and just i guess I, never mind yes period i was gonna say none of these every dude is just a weak point in the show <laughs> yep so um yeah i think it's your turn uh, okay, first I want to talk about a rant that I have that is an appreciative rant about what the show has done, which is that they managed to work in Wednesday being a Luddite in a way that, like... Because, I mean, there's obviously there's plot devices that sort of rely on not having a phone or a computer, you know? And it's sometimes really hard to do that, especially in 2022 um but i really just like them having being like no wednesday likes uh, a typewriter and she doesn't have a phone and she's and you're like okay yeah that makes sense but then when you have things like you know enid being terminally online it's like okay enid i need you to show me how to use this because i need to do something on on your computer or on your phone or have mm-hmm. like you know thing show up with like enid's number for the 28 year old yes <laughs> and I know part of it is for plot reasons, but I like—I just really like the way that they that they that they managed to do that, you know. Yeah, is and it just like doesn't feel out of place for Wednesday to sort of be out of time almost, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I completely agree, and it yeah, it fits her character like so perfectly. So yeah, yeah, it's really fun. I know, and. I feel like after you're with Enid, I cannot imagine being in my dorm room and my roommate is using a typewriter to type her novel for an 
hour, I would lose all of my entire shit. <laughs> Seriously. So rude. Yeah, you gotta build a little soundproof corner or something to you know, do that. <laughs> electric typewriters exist. <laughs> I used to have one. They do exist. Yeah. Anyway. Um, my last rant is I think probably what may be becoming like a tired lark rant of my just desire for practical effects, which like we got with things. So like, why are the hide and the werewolf not puppets? This CGI is trash. <laughs> I I agree completely. Uh, I think also part of it for me is that... I really think werewolves that look like giant wolves are superior to werewolves that look like vaguely like creepy menacing creatures that have like wolf ears and like some fur. Mm-hmm. Like I just, why, why would you do that in a character design? You could, I know that like getting trained animals is, is an expense. That's probably more expensive than hiring some folks to do the CGI work, but it just, it just looks so much better. Yeah. I mean, yes, it, they just, yeah, they should, they should have been, they should have been puppets, like, or like costumes, you know, but like good costumes. And they clearly had like a lot of money for stuff like that to make this show. It just, yeah, I don't get it. I don't, the design of the hide is good. It's very scary, but it's not scary as a CGI monster. It would be so fucking scary as a dude in a mask, you know, like a good mask. Yeah. And like (laughs) they, they only, there's only a couple of like full body shots. You really could have gone by with like masks and puppets. Honestly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I just rewatched the princess bride and like the ROUSs in that are like clearly dudes in big rat suits, you know? But they're so much scarier than they would be as, like, cheap CGI rats. <laughs> just so much scarier. Yeah. And, like, the CGI just always looks dated immediately, you know? Yeah. So, unless you have, like, a huge, huge budget. And even then, like, a physical effect is still so much more impressive looking. Yeah. So. No, I agree. I agree completely about the CGI. If people are ever going to put together a like hashtag ruthless bingo card, I think Lark complains about CGI is definitely something that should be <laughs> on there. <laughs> it's like guaranteed. If there's CGI, I will be ranting about my preference for practical. Effects. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Speaking of practical effects, but mm-hmm. in practical world building is Let's talk about the canoes in the Pocup. Because what is the budget for these students to have these canoes? Like, the mechanical engineering of all of them is incredible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that would take weeks, I think, to construct. (laughs) And, like, I feel like in the show, it's like, oh, it's been a couple of days, and we have this, like, tricked-out canoe. I'm sorry, what? They must, 
if this is like as big of a deal as it makes it seem like, I'm guessing that there are kids who are like coming home or coming back to school from like summer break with like shit that they like their parents helped them build in the garage, you know, or like that their very wealthy parents had custom made for them <laughs> to use. Yeah. Um, because the yeah the the amount of time and energy that has gone into everything having to do with the poke up is clearly yes it's it's a a lot a large investment of time and money and you have homemade costumes yeah <laughs> homemade magic <laughs> costumes which loved ev- everyone's costumes everyone picked good themes mm-hmm. for their for their poke up vibe but yeah I was just like. That is just so elaborate. <laughs> like, I appreciated it, but I'm like, this is why no one's in class. You're just doing all this shit <laughs> for, like, a I month. Mean, hang on, though. Is that a bad thing? Like, isn't that how, like, unschooling works? Is, like, find a thing that you're interested in, learn all about the engineering required to, like, what's it called? Um, to get, like, hydraulic-powered spears to break someone else's canoe then build the hydraulic powered spears and like put them into functional use like you've learned science and math and you know a bunch of other stuff probably too (laughs) my brain's not on all cylinders today how to read a blueprint i guess how to write a blueprint there you go yeah yeah so like you'd be learning all sorts of stuff in the process of tricking out your boat for the poke up yeah that's true all right. It's still deeply funny to me, but that is a good point. We should just maybe be thinking of it more as like like a science fair, like a heavily grade-weighted science fair. So it's yeah. like, yes, they really have been putting all of this energy into it because this is like a school function that's being like weighted for its educational value. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. And it teaches important values for outcasts. <laughs> It does, like how to kill each other. And <laughs> I got so stressed both times that I watched it when they like net that mermaid because it seems like he needs to breathe air. And I was like, wait, did Wednesday and Thing just murder someone? <laughs> we we actually see that student later. He, so does, he, yeah. he comes back. But like, I don't know. It seems like there was potential for him to have died. Yeah, well... Everything, anything goes, which is a exactly. t- terrible set of rules to give <laughs> anyone, let alone teenagers with hydro with <laughs> with like murder canoes. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh. Welcome to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff. All right, so. We did just talk about how this show being about friendship and maybe at some point not having an emphasis on relationships would be much cooler to see than what we did see. I do have to say, though, that for me, I feel like I am just so happy that a lot of the fandom, a lot of the fandom has embraced Wednesday and um, Enid as a couple Partly because, I mean, because of misogyny, a lot of fandoms are not as rich in femme slash as one would think. So it's just really nice to see that, like, there's a ton of, like, fan fiction and fan art on, like, Tumblr and, like, AO3. But I also just feel like, for me, 
like when they and Eden just hit the like sweet spot of like two of my favorite tropes, which is of course, and they were roommates and the grumpy one is soft for the like sunshiny one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just love that. And I just, you know, I do feel like I, I do sort of love Enid's very clear affection for Wednesday. And like the fact that the first time she wolfs out is because Wednesday is in trouble, you know, yeah. is like, I feel like what a perfect thing to just run wild with how they could just be in love with each other or at least Enid being in love with Wednesday. So, you know, mm-hmm. I just, that's fair. I want, I just want to plug that as a thing that I really appreciated. Um, in this show and would have rather have seen than her being in this love triangle with these two mayo packets. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Uh, yep. Do you have everything in this section? Is it just me? I had, um, Morticia and Weems, but we actually covered that in our last conversation about this. So yeah, it's just you. All right. I really want Bianca to find a partner that is worthy of her. Um, she's clearly too hot for Xavier. And I love the bit where she like comes to his now single, clearly ready to bone. And he's like, you know, actually, I'm really thinking about Wednesday. And she's like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and then they end the season with her and like maybe Lucius like talking. And I'm like, Lucius is okay, but like... He's done some real questionable shit in the show. I'm like, she shouldn't get with him either. Yeah. I do. I think he has real potential for, like, an interesting, like, character growth arc of, like, realizing that his friends suck and being like, I'm actually not going to hang out with the sucky people anymore. And, like, it's very well done that they sort of plant his like nerdy interests in that episode where he goes to the raven with enid and so we get to like know things about him that are like kind of charming you know yeah i'm like holding space for him to become a character that i'm like rooting for the the potential is there for both like yeah. his growth as a character and even like him as a romantic like being a like good romantic interest for Bianca or someone else. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. You know. Bianca just just feels like a hard femme though, and I just feel like like Bianca just needs a girlfriend. Period. I don't know that we've met who Bianca's girlfriend should be yet, but like I hope we do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like considering how intense Bianca is, I feel like she needs someone who can like make her laugh. Mm, yeah, which is definitely not Xavier. He's never laughed in his life. <laughs> he is too full of angst about his rich dad, which I'm like, oh man, mm, really feeling sad for you about that? Sorry, bro. I mean, his dad sounds like a piece of shit, but you can't make having a shitty dad your whole personality, I don't think. Yeah. Yes, you have to have something else going on. Yeah. So. God, if you can make drawings come to life, like you should be having just way more fun all the time than he is ever having, you know? Right. You could have a pet unicorn is what I'm saying. 
Xavier. You could be like the most fun at parties, you know, like you could be wooing whoever you wanted to. But get get rid of the charcoal, pick up some magic markers, go have fun. Right. Oh, my God. Or like (laughs) or like scented markers. So you're like unicorn smells like artificial grape. Like that's truly an evil statement that you've just made but i sorry i know you were you were said sensitive i just love the smell of like the scented mark the scented markers that's like anyway i love that you picked also like the worst one because those markers smell like purple candy tastes which always my only association has ever been children's tylenol and like to this day if i like eat a pack of skittles i leave all of the red and purple ones because they just taste like medicine to me i like couldn't remember any other any of the any of the scents in this in the in the mark in the scented markers i'm just like what are the other ones lemon yeah i'm sure there's some citrus ones uh anyway yeah xavier is could could be having more fun and more friends than he is but he is really his own worst enemy yeah he is so. Anyway, that's not sexy. Um, <laughs> do you have any other sexy stuff? I do not. The other thing was, yeah, Weems and Morticia, which I've already gone through at length. So, yeah. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science and sometimes history. I should probably change the description of this section. I do want to talk about shit. Did I already talk about how Jenna Ortega learned the cello <laughs> and like fencing? you mentioned it? Yeah. All right. So here's just a list of some things that Jenna Ortega did for this role. Uh, so she learned cello. She's actually the one playing painted black on her on the cello. That's incredible. I know. Yeah. She did. She didn't actually learn fencing, so she's like doing some of her own stunts too. There's something else cool that she learned. But I think what has garnered a lot of, like, internet attention is that she uh, choreographed Wednesday's dance. Like, that's 100% her. Yeah. And she hates it. Really? Yep. All of the quotes are, like, her being like, I am so confused and embarrassed by how much people love that because i thought it was like really bad and i didn't have enough time and it could have been so much better and like i had covid and it just should have been so much cooler and i'm like buddy this is like explaining like why your food that you made everyone should have been better like you just don't say this stuff out loud because everyone just loves it just like just let yeah. it be loved yeah so apparently she like did the choreography in like three days this is part of the yeah. reason <laughs> But, I mean, yes, it's like, it is incredible. And I think part of it is that she's like, she was like, yeah, I watched a bunch of videos of like Susie and the Banshee videos and like, you know, goths and clubs from like the 80s. And um, there was someone else that she said that she was inspired by. But I'm like, she picked like really good like sources to have like her weird goth character have a like weird goth dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm like, I feel like I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. And the dance is so good. It's like, it's so strange. And it's just like so on brand for her character. I'm just like, but you get your character. Yeah. <laughs> and like, 
I don't know. If they had like hired, if they had like had someone else do the choreography, it would not have been as cool as it was. No. You know, it would not be nearly as strange. So, yeah, she did a lot of work for this role and like she brought her like A plus plus game. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So it's so good. Yeah. So my last thing is that <laughs> pursuant to like episode two of the Gaily Prophet, where I was like, Snape needs to stop yelling at Neville for melting his cauldrons. Pewter has a melting point of like nothing. Um, bronze has a very high melting point, but it is nowhere near as high as the temperature of burning gasoline. So if there was enough gasoline in that fountain, they absolutely could have melted that statue. Maybe it's because it was a little bit diluted with the water in the fountain, perhaps. No, it's good. It did. The oh. melting, realistic. Oh, yes. okay. Sorry. That's what you're saying. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I don't know everything about how, like, contained the heat has to be and whatever, but, like, bronze melts at, like, a thousand and something degrees and gasoline burns at, like, 16,000 and something degrees, if I remember correctly. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if there are any bronze statues in your city, state, national park that has a reprehensible figure on it, just, you know, the more you know. <laughs> Perhaps you can just <laughs> replace the water with gasoline. <laughs> like, like one does. In case you wanted to have a very accurate fan fiction and wanted to m- melt a Confederate statue, that- that's how you would write it, you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, <sighs> God bl- bless Wednesday and her social justice bent (laughs) social Mm -hmm. justice crusade um that thing also shares (laughs) yes (laughs) thing is the best comrade i feel like we didn't give enough time to appreciating thing in this conversation yeah uh he's one of the best characters (laughs) in the show yeah yeah he's just super great have you okay i'm sorry have you seen the image of the wednesday lego set yes but it's fake it is yeah (sighs) that's such a bummer that's that's so disappointing i'm sorry image that's all right i just think about it constantly and i laugh so i guess that's the important thing um yeah uh Thing is an excellent comrade against um, injustice and murder mysteries. And I keep wanting to be like, is is gay? But maybe just because of like how vain Thing is. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when you are just a hand, you are queer no matter what your sexual orientation is, you know? Yeah. But I feel like also kind of a dandy as well. <laughs> 100%. And I love the part where, so actually a thing that really bummed me out was when Enid and Thing first bond and she was like, we were up like doing manicures or whatever. And then Thing's nails aren't painted. And I was like, that was so rude. But then 
in a later episode, Enid has come back and is like looking for her like moon silver moon nail polish or whatever. And then like Thing brings it over and is clearly wearing the nail polish. And it's like you almost can't tell because it's sort of it's like a very like shimmery sort of like silver and things hands are always like really pretty dirty and so it's like kind of hard to tell but i was like oh he is wearing the nail polish and that makes me really happy i know um i verified it's not so fake is a strong word it's a fan-made lego set okay yes listeners the reason i brought this up is because thing is just represented by a little lego hand (laughs) a little (laughs) c-shaped lego (laughs) hand and it's just really, it just really makes me laugh. Yeah, it's very funny. All right. Uh, so my next thing is about Eugene's powers and about um, the fact that he, that I have scientific proof that he did not use his precious honeybees to murder Thornhill. Okay, please. I'm so excited for this because I was very (laughs) upset about that, as I think we mentioned in the previous recording, and was like, but he would never. So I'm like so stoked that you're about to explain that that's not what happened. Okay, so so apparently uh, social wasps, so like hornets, yellow jackets, paper wasps that build the, like, cool paper hives. They're not like honeybees in that honeybee hives, when it's wintertime, uh, the drones stay, like, in the hive with the queen and, like, they help keep each other warm by, like, moving their bodies and their wings and shit, right? Not with, like, wasps that, like, live in colonies, with that, only the queen survives through the winter. And so once it's like the fall, like late summer, fall, she stops laying eggs. It's kind of every, every wasp for themselves at that point. Um, and because it's the fall, all of this shit they've been eating all summer, like they're just less of it. So they get more aggressive because they're like, they're hungry mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like competing for resources. So... Um, as you maybe have experienced going to a Midwest cider mill in the fall, the the wasps are like out of control. Yeah. Like they're trying to like eat the apple out of your hand. Yeah. Like it's, it's wild. So this is why in the fall wasps are just like, there's a ton of them and they just seem more angry. Mm-hmm. So we have Nevermore in the fall. We know it's the fall because it's fall semester. It hasn't snowed yet. So... Even though his honeybees, you know, were aware that his bees have been put away for the season. There's nothing to suggest that he would not be able to use his powers to call up a, some wasps that are chilling, being angry and hungry, mm-hmm. to, like, aid him in killing Thornhill. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, we see... Eugene not only have an interest in other insects, but have, it seems like, a pretty good local knowledge of, like, within the grounds of Nevermore, where other weird bugs are at. He knows he knows exactly where there would be, like, paper wasps or hornets or some shit. He, he knows exactly where each and every one of those hives are at. And he is yeah. ready. And for folks that don't know this about honeybees and why this is a concern we had <laughs> in, in the first part of this episode is that if a honeybee stings you... The whole stinger comes off and the honeybee dies. Like, that's why honeybees, unless you, like, accidentally crush them or they feel threatened, they're not going to sting you. Wasps, 
That doesn't happen with wasps. Wasps have a very smooth stinger. They can sting you over fucking many times as they want to, which is why they're assholes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one likes wasps and, <laughs> and like yellow jackets. So, if you, th- so another reason why you would be like, I'm angry. They're angry. No one has to die. It's that this terrible fake teacher mm-hmm. <laughs> and the wasp can go back to being angry and hungry. <laughs> yeah, actually. And now that you're saying this, like Eugene presumably walked there from the hospital, maybe. I mean, maybe his moms drove him. But like, I am really enjoying the image of Eugene walking from the hospital, just like gathering wasps along his way, just like a cloud, just like growing, I guess, in front of him because he's sort of like hurting them in front of him. Um yeah. As he walks, like that's a really beautiful image. And especially in, say, New England. So, another fun thing about New England and the Midwest is that there's a ton of apple trees everywhere, partly because of Johnny Appleseed, but partly because Pilgrim colonialists loved drinking hard cider. This is why there's apple trees everywhere. So, there's probably a ton of wild, like, untended apple and crab apple trees that are, again, also full of wasps <laughs> because, again, if you've ever been. In the, on the East Coast or in the Midwest in the fall and been like, oh, an apple tree. Fallen apples, wasps are eating all of the apples. Yep. So so just imagine him like walking on the side of the road and he's just like, oh, look, there's a like half stunted apple tree and there's like 20 wasps come to me. And then like, you're right, he like has a whole cloud of them yeah. <laughs> that he is gathering <laughs> as he walks Incredible. to the school. Oh, it's so good. Truly the hero that we needed Yes, for the only maybe good part of this ridiculous ending. <laughs> yeah, it sort of is our, um, like, Neville with the sort of Gryffindor moment is Eugene coming in with these wasps. Um, and it's really beautiful. <laughs> I really love it. Yeah. Um, I also thought... While you were while you were explaining that, like bumblebees also have a smooth stinger, and because like bumblebees are so cute and everyone loves them, and you can like pet them, they're also I mean they have a smooth stinger, but they're not aggressive. I do kind of love the idea of there being some like adorable fat bumblebees mixed in, and like Thornhill getting stung to death by just like the sweetest of all of the you know black and yellow striped <laughs> bugs. <laughs> Yes. It just feels um, poetic, yeah. Anyway, yeah. You, you, Eugene, one of only two dudes in this, in this, uh, in this show worthwhile. <laughs> I maintain three. I think that Ajax is great. Oh, himbo Ajax. Yeah. No, he is, he is pretty good. So we have three. We have Pugsley, Eugene, and Ajax. And the mm-hmm. rest of them can just go fall in a hole. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, we did it. Did we do it? We did it. Good job, us. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I have no idea what we'll be talking about next time. Maybe it'll be Harry Potter. Maybe it won't. Uh, Check the show notes for all of the things. And until next time. Community. Perseverance. Determination. Murder. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast where two queer eye... What? A... Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Which feed is this being released on? I got it. I can do this.